Good morning, sisters and brothers. Uh, good morning. Uh, can I get everyone to turn with me, please, to Galatians chapter 3? Galatians chapter 3, uh, the passage we just read just now, you can uh, come up on the screen now, but it's, I think, easier to see it, the, the context, if you're looking in your uh, Bibles, either your Bible or your, on, on your device, or even in the, the uh, auto service that you received. So Galatians chapter 3, uh, and let me uh, lead us in prayer for uh, as we begin. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you uh, that you've gathered us together today uh, in the name of your Son. We thank you uh, that you speak to us uh, by your Spirit through your Word. And we pray that you help us now as we look at this passage together. Uh, we pray that you will uh, indeed uh, be uh, uh, working in our hearts by your Spirit. Uh, will you enable me to preach your Word rightly and faithfully uh, and in your Spirit's power? Uh, and may you be drawing each one of us to faith in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if I asked you today, can you give me one good reason why God should let you into heaven, what would you say? I just want you to think about it, okay? Uh, don't answer out loud, just think about it. Um, and don't just wait for me to move on. Formulate an answer in your head, all right? Uh, why should God, the just judge, let you into heaven rather than condemning you to hell on the last day? Now, there are two different ways in which you could have answered that question. You could have referred to something that you did or didn't do. Right? I did this good thing, I didn't do that bad thing. Uh, so let me illustrate that by sitting on this chair, which represents relying on what I have done. Alternatively, you could have referenced Christ, and in particular, his death on the cross for your sins. So let me illustrate that by sitting on this chair uh, uh, to represent what Christ has done. What I have done, what Christ has done. Which chair are you sitting on? Now remember your answer, because we'll come back to that uh, towards the end of the sermon. But to start the sermon, let me remind you of where we're up to uh, in the book of Galatians. Uh, in chapter 1, the Apostle Paul was very upset because the Galatians were moving away from the gospel of Christ. And remember he said, if anyone preaches a different gospel, whether it's an angel from heaven or even Paul himself, let him be eternally accursed. Right? Because the gospel, uh, the good news of Christ is what brings salvation. And if people are moving from salvation, people are moving away from the gospel, they're moving from salvation to condemnation. Let me turn this off so I don't get feedback, yeah? Is that what you want me to do? Uh, okay. Um, uh, and the gospel that Paul preached was coming under attack. Uh, Paul had received that gospel personally from the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, he preached that gospel for many years, independent of the uh, apostles in Jerusalem. But in chapter 2, we saw that he went and conferred with the apostles. Uh, and, in and they agreed with him. They preached the same gospel. And they agreed that we are saved only by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. Uh, so they were united uh, in this gospel. But then in verse 11 onwards, 
when Peter came to Antioch, he wavered under pressure and Paul had to rebuke him. See, Peter knew that the Gentiles are saved by faith in Christ, just like the Jews. He agreed that they didn't need to follow the Jewish laws. In fact, sometimes he also didn't follow. He was happy to sit and eat with them as brothers and sisters in Christ, something that the Jews would previously never have done. But then when some people from the circumcision party from Jerusalem came, he, he drew back, kept away from them. Maybe he didn't want to offend these people. But he was sending the wrong signal. Because these people from Jerusalem were saying that faith in Christ is not enough. They said to the Gentile believers, unless you are circumcised according to the law of Moses, you cannot be saved. You have to obey the law of Moses in order to belong to Jesus. So if you're not circumcised, you're not really one of us. And by withdrawing from table fellowship with the Gentiles, Paul gives the impression, uh, Peter gives the impression that he supports these people. Actually, he believes and teaches that we are saved by faith in Christ, not by observing the law. But he gives that impression. And so Paul realizes the issue here actually is not just circumcision. It's not just a problem about circumcision. There's a bigger issue at stake. The real issue at stake is justification. And he introduced that term for us in our passage last week. The word justification comes from the law courts. If a judge justifies someone, it means he declares them to be righteous. Right? It's like being declared not guilty, but better. It's like good. And so if God, the just judge, declares you righteous, justifies you, that means you are right with him. Now, of course, the most obvious way of getting justified is by observing the law. Keep God's law. God gave his law to Moses in the Old Testament. You keep the law, the judge will declare you righteous at the end of the day. He's a just judge. But as Jews, both Paul and Peter know that even the Jews can't keep the law. That's not the law's fault. It's our fault now because we're sinful. But we could never be justified, we could never be declared righteous on the basis of observing the law. By the works of the law, chapter 2, verse 16, will no one be justified. But thank God that he made another way. And that way to be justified is by faith in Christ. If we have faith in Christ, then we are united with Christ by the Spirit. We are spiritually together. We are one. We bring our sins. He brings his righteousness. We share everything because we're spiritually united. And, well, when Christ died on the cross, he, he paid for our sins. Look at it one way, you can say, we were crucified with Christ because we're united with him in his death. Look at it another way, you could say, he loved us and gave himself for us because he took the penalty of our sin. And now he's taken the penalty of our sin, our sin is gone. And what is left is his righteousness that he shares with us. And so it is perfectly right for the just judge to say to us, you are righteous, you are justified. Why? Because we are in Christ. And since it's by faith that you've been united with Christ, we can say we have been justified by faith. If we could be justified by the law, then Christ died for nothing. We could have done it ourselves. But we can't be justified by the law. We needed Christ to die for us so we could be justified by faith. Now, the problem was 
that these Galatians were beginning to believe the false teachers with their false gospel. And they were starting to get circumcised, or they were about to get circumcised at least, and start obeying the law of Moses. But this would have had terrible implications on their justification. And Paul understood this very clearly. That's why he's so upset with them at the beginning of chapter 3, our passage today. Look what he says to them in verse 1. As he reminds them of their own history, he says, Oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. Paul says, I gave you the message of the cross. I told you about Jesus dying for you. But now, you're about to go and obey the law of Moses to try and get you right with God as if, as if Christ died for nothing. You're, you're being such idiots, right? It's, it's almost as if someone put a spell on you or put the evil eye on you. I hardly believe you do something so silly. You ever feel that kind of feeling when you're talking to people? People you care about? People, I don't know, maybe your children, maybe your friends. You see, ah, yeah, going so well. You think they've digested and believed the gospel and then they start going off in a different direction. You think, oh, you, come on, lah. How can you do that? Sometimes as a pastor, you feel like, ah, you want to say, wake up. Can't you see the, the spiritual danger that you're in? Paul's really distressed about the direction that these Galatians are heading. He takes them back to when they first became Christians. He says in verse 2, let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer is, of course, hearing with faith. Right? When they believe the gospel of Christ crucified, they receive the Spirit, and that shows that they belong to God. Why would they now listen to people who come and tell them they have to obey the law to be saved? Or perhaps they, perhaps they don't think they need to, believe, to, to obey the law to start being saved. Maybe they think they have to obey the Mosaic law in order to stay saved. Yeah, a little bit like in a, you know, so maybe they say, look, you get into Christ by faith, but you stay in by observing the law. After all, it's a bit like how God did things in the Old Covenant, isn't it? Remember how God rescued his people from Egypt? That was his grace. And then what did he do? He gave them the law. If they kept the law, they have blessing in the land. If they don't keep it, they'll get cursed. And so maybe that comes to the New Testament as well. You get in by faith, you stay in by law. No, 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 no. Paul says in verse 3, Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected in the, in the flesh? Israel couldn't keep the law. Neither can we. That's why God promised one day He would send His Spirit. That's why he would change people from the inside. He would wash them clean, give them a new covenant. And this new covenant, he says, is not like the one that you broke, that you failed to keep, that I gave you back in those days. It's a different... These guys have received the Spirit. Now they're thinking of going back to the law. Having begun by the Spirit, would they be brought to maturity, perfected, means brought to maturity, by trying to go back to obey the law that God gave to Moses, but failing every time? No! Come on, guys, Paul says. Surely you didn't go through all that persecution, all that hardship, all that pain, just to chuck it up, going into Judaism. Did you suffer, verse 4, so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And look at all the miracles God does among you. You weren't observing the law when God did those miracles, did you? You were simply trusting in Jesus, verse 5. Does he who supply the Spirit to you and do work miracles among you do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith? The answer, hearing with faith. That's all you needed. That's all you need. 
And it's not just you. What God did for you, He actually did for Abraham before you. In fact, Abraham is the paradigm for, for, for everyone who is like this. You see that in verse 6. Just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. That's a quote from Genesis 15. Abraham heard God's word. He heard God's promises that would end up in Jesus. He believed God's promises. And God considered him righteous. God justified him by faith. Now, if you hear God's word, if you receive God's promises, if you believe God, then you're in exactly the same position as Abraham. And if you're just like Abraham, you're considered children of Abraham. Paul says in verse 7, Know then that it is those of faith who are sons of Abraham. If you believe the word of God like Abraham, you are justified like Abraham. You are an heir of his promises. And that's not just for Jews, the biological descendants of Abraham. No, 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 no. God promised Abraham that people from all over the world would be blessed through him. Verse 8. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith, preached the gospel beforehand to Abraham, saying, In you shall all the nations be blessed. Right? So that the blessing, so what's the blessing to the nations? The blessing to the nations is justification by faith, isn't it? And that blessing applies to all who, like Abraham, have faith, who believe God's promise. Verse 9, so then those who are of faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. No need to add the law in order to be saved. Abraham and his true heirs are justified by faith alone. And so there are two ways to live, so to speak. One way is hearing the gospel and responding with faith. But remember the other way, the law way. Where does that lead? I'll have a look at verse 10. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law and do them. See? The law, as a way of salvation, operated legally. It's the law. And the law says you have to do all the things written in the book of the law. So if you say you have to be, you have to be circumcised because you want to obey the law, well, guess what? You have to obey the whole law in order to obey the law. If you're under the law, you cannot pick and choose which one you want to obey. You have to obey the whole thing. And you'll never achieve it. And so the curse of the law will be upon you. If you rely on the works of the law to make you right with God, you are under a curse. Because in the end, that is what the law brings. These people who are leading, God's, leading the Galatians astray, we, we call them Judaizers. They thought they would be justified, they would be declared right with God because they kept the law. But that's not the expectation even of the Old Testament. The Law actually won't bring justification to anyone. Paul says in verse 11, Now it is evident 
that no one is justified before God by the law. He quotes the prophet Habakkuk who says in verse 9, the righteous shall live by faith. How do you get life? By faith. And Paul says, faith is not law. Faith is trusting. Law is doing. Faith is trusting. Law is doing. Verse 12, but law is not of faith, rather the one who does them shall live by them. You see that does there? Doing. Right? Quote from Leviticus 18.5. If you obey the law, it will give you life. But you have to obey that something to do. It's not believing, it is doing. Do you see the big difference? How are you going to get eternal life? How are you going to be justified? The faith way, by trusting in what Jesus has done, or the law way, doing, obeying the law. There really are two ways to live. Except that we've already seen that if you go the law way, you have to keep the whole law. And if you don't, then you're under the law's curse. Now, the Jewish Christians, before they believed, they were, they were under the curse of the law because they've been trying to justify themselves by doing. Right? They sought to live the law way, which simply ends up in curse until Christ saved them from it. And how did he save these Jewish believers from the curse of the law? He did it by taking that curse for them. Verse 13, he says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. You see, the law itself taught that everyone hung on a tree is cursed. The idea is, sign of curse is death under, death under God's judgment is being strung up, hung on a tree. And that's what happened to Jesus, isn't it? He was nailed to a wooden cross, hung on a tree. He was cursed. And yet, yet he was the only one who actually kept the law perfectly from the heart. So why was he cursed? Verse 13 again, he became a curse for us. The punishment that he bore was the punishment that every one of us deserves for disobeying God. For the Jews, that was the, the curse that came from the law of Moses. Christ redeemed them from that law. On the cross, he paid the price to free them from the curse of, of disobeying the law. But it's not just for the Jews, because Paul is about to reference the Gentiles in verse 14. Because you see, the curse that comes from disobeying the law of Moses is actually the same curse that comes from disobeying all God's law. Back in the Garden of Eden, humankind was put under curse for disobeying God's commandment. And we are all under the curse, even those who don't have the law, because we disobey what we know about God anyway. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. Yes, the law of Moses, but also every law to which we are disobedient. And there are two reasons he did, he did that. Paul gives us to them here, verse 14. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles. Remember what the blessing of Abraham was? Justification by faith. Jesus died to take our curse so that we can be justified by faith. First reason. Second reason, end of verse 14. So that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. The Old Testament, God promised Israel that one day, one day, he would pour out his spirit upon them. He would change their hearts so they really want to obey from the inside. But before that, he would deal with their sin. Now that the sins of God's people are dealt with on the cross, God pours out his spirit. 
so that those who believe are not only justified by faith, but also by faith receive the Spirit. And it's the Spirit, not the law, that will produce the fruit of godly living in the life of the believer. And we will see more of that in the weeks to come. Now, before we go on and talk about the application for us, I just want to spend a few moments to talk to people who are interested in one of the theological debates around this passage. Now, this, this bit here is not going to be for everyone, okay? So if you're not interested in this bit, it's a good time to have a little sleep or daydream. <laughs> Check your WhatsApp, all right? Plan your lunch or your dinner, that's okay. And don't worry, I'll call you back when we get the, back the important things for you, all right? Uh, there is a teaching promoted in the scholarly world called the New Perspective on Paul. Uh, it's not so new anymore. Uh, it seems to be on the way now, uh, but it was very trendy in theological circles a few years ago. Uh, and some of the proponents were saying something like this. You know, we've been reading Paul wrongly when we thought justification by faith is important in places like this. Because we were reading the controversies of the Reformation back into the letter. Right? We thought that the Judaizers were like the medieval Roman Catholics who insisted on works, and that Paul was like the Reformers who insisted on justification by faith. But actually, Paul wasn't really concerned about justification by faith when he wrote the Galatians. He wasn't battle against, battling against legalism like Luther was. He, he was worried about the Gentiles being forced to become Jews. So when he writes about the works of the law, he's not talking about good works in general. He's certainly not talking about having to obey various church regulations and all that. He's talking about boundary markers, right? things like circumcision and the food laws and things like that that distinguish between Jew and Gentile. And he's saying you don't have to have them. So the problem is not justification by works. Jews didn't really go for that anyway. The problem is simply that you don't have to be a Jew in order to be a Christian. And so... It's not justification by faith versus justification by works. It's about whether or not Gentiles are accepted as believers. So that's what New Perspective is saying. What do you make of that? Well, on the one hand, there is a whole lot of truth there, isn't there? Right? Paul is indeed worried that the Gentiles are forced to become Jews. Uh, and it's true that that is the presenting issue. The presenting issue is whether or not the Gentiles need to be circumcised. And it's also true that Paul is arguing that you don't have to be a Jew to be a Christian. That's what he's trying to prove. But look at how Paul argues it. Paul, inspired by the Spirit, argues this issue in terms of justification by faith. He has shown the real problem with circumcision, that by saying it is necessary, you're putting yourself back under the law of Moses, the whole law. And you can never be saved by observing the law. Right? Paul's day, the example being pushed was circumcision. Nah. In different places, different circumstances might be other examples. Could be anything in the law. Because making, making it necessary to keep any part of the law as a requirement of salvation, contrary to hearing with faith, that's the problem. Right? Remember, uh, remember uh, verse 12. Right? Law is by nature not of faith. Faith is believing, law is doing. And so by making anything in the law of Moses a prerequisite for salvation that is incompatible with hearing with faith. And you can apply that one step back. Take it one step back and say, look, any human work, a prerequisite for salvation is incompatible with hearing with faith. 
Because like keeping the law, human good works is not believing but doing. And Paul will just make that even more explicit in other places, like Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Right? It's by grace you're saved through faith. It's not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works. Not even talking about the law. Either. Not by works, lest anyone boast. So there's still two ways to live. Works, whether it's the law of Moses, or if you're a Gentile, you don't have that law. Other good works done in light of nature. Or faith, like Abraham, who believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. If you go by the works route, you're under curse. You don't have the laws to under general curse on those who disobey God. And if the law of Moses doesn't condemn you on the last day, then your conscience will. You still need to be justified by faith. So in the end, actually, justification by faith is very clearly affirmed in this passage. Right? That was the basis on which the first Gentile believers could be sure they don't need to be circumcised according to the law of Moses. And only later, it becomes the same basis on which the reformers could be sure they didn't have to pander to the legalistic demands of the institutional church. Now, maybe that some teachers and preachers have jumped to the Reformation application without giving first a thought, proper thought to the first century application, but that doesn't mean you can get rid of justification by faith from the passage. All right, the new perspective is right to remind us that the Jew-Gentile issue is the presenting issue here. But the underlying issue that Paul uses to answer that is justification by faith. So it's wrong to conclude that just because the presenting issue is not justification by faith, that it's not about justification by faith. It most certainly is. It's just that, you uh, so the reformers are right with their application, it's just that you take two steps to get there instead of jumping one step. Does that make sense? Uh, and what about those boundary markers? Well, look at where Paul uses the term. Verse 10, right? All who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, curse be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of the law. Right? Is it works of the law just boundary markers? I don't think it's just boundary markers. I think it's mostly it's talking about all things written in the book of the law, the whole law of Moses. I think that's most likely. But uh, it's relying on the works of the law means relying on doing all the things that are in the law which in the end ends up with curse. But even if you insist that the works of the law are boundary markers, the point is still there. Right? If you have to obey part of the law, whatever part it is, you have to obey the whole law. If not, you're under curse. And so the application still is you make one thing obligatory, whether it's circumcision or anything else in the law, as a precondition for salvation, then you're still under curse. And the only way to be justified is by faith alone. So, Either way, in the end, you still cannot run away uh, from justification by faith in this passage. Okay? Uh, if you don't follow that, that's okay. It's just to correct a misunderstanding, uh, not something you need to know from the passage. If you've never had that misunderstanding, never encounter, encountered it, then blessed are you. Uh, you can wake up now. Right? Um, so we're coming now to the end of the sermon and the application that's important for everyone. So if just now you kind of like went to sleep in your head, all right, now it's time to give me your attention again. Change mic again, right? Because what we've seen today is that there are two ways to live. Right? If you want to get a verdict of righteous, to be justified in the courtroom of heaven, two ways to do it. One way, try and get right with God by what we do. Right? Uh, and the other way, is trust in Christ and what He has done to make us right with God. Obeying the law of Moses 
is the classical example of the doing way. And that's what the Judaizers were pushing. I'm pretty certain, though, that no one is telling you to be circumcised and obey the law of Moses in order to be saved. So at least you don't have to worry about that one. But that's not the only way of going along that doing route, isn't it? If you think you're going to be saved by doing good things, by being moral, attending church, getting baptized, going to Bible study, volunteering in the welcome team, right? Uh, going on a stewardship list, helping the poor, uh, being a leader, bring up your children, looking after your parents, being faithful to your spouse, being honest at work, avoiding particular sins, doing particular good deeds, whatever you think it is. All good things. But if you think you're going to be declared right with God on that basis, you're trying to go the doing way. And if the answer to that question that I asked at the beginning was about what you've done or what you have not done, then think again. Right? You're trying to get right with God by doing, then you have to do it perfectly. Doing way, like the law of Moses, leads to condemnation. But thank God that he's opened up another way. And that other way is through his son. The Lord Jesus Christ died for your sins and mine. He paid the penalty of sin so that what we need to do is trust in him. To believe that God raised him from the dead as Lord. And to trust in his death to take away our sins. So let me ask you again. What are you relying on to get to heaven? Why should God, the righteous judge, declare you righteous? There may be some people here, even today, who are still relying on what they do. Remember, this chair represents what I do. Sitting in this chair to keep me up, supporting me, is what I do. But that will never work. Remember, that chair represents what Christ has done. His death on the cross to take away my sins. I need to stop relying on myself and start trusting in Jesus. I need to transfer my trust and get out of this chair and instead rely on this chair to keep me up. From what I can do to what Christ has done. That's the only way to be saved. And unlike the Galatians, I've got to stay here. I've got to keep on relying on Jesus and his death to save me. Right? Don't ever, ever go back the other side for your justification. Every day, I know I'm a sinner. Every day, I know that Jesus died for me. Every day, I rely on him. Every day, I'm thankful to him. Don't start your Christian life over here and then end up back over there. It's by faith we get saved. It's by faith we stay saved. Some people get mixed up lah, because, of course, faith does produce good works. Uh, and if there's no good works, you've got to say, is there really faith? But the good works didn't save you in the first place. You can't rely on them to save you. And they don't keep you safe. You continue to be saved in the same way that you started to be saved, by faith in Jesus. We are justified by faith alone. And then we are given the Spirit who will change our lives 
and lead us to holiness. So let's pray together. Father, thank you that you gave your Son to rescue us. Thank you that he rescued us from the curse of sin by becoming a curse for us. And thank you that by faith we have now received justification in the Spirit. And we know this is all your work, and we thank you for that. But please help us to hold fast to this doctrine of justification by faith alone. Never water it down or change it. Help us never to add anything to the finished work of Christ as a requirement for salvation. Please guard us from those who would. Please help us to press on in portraying Christ crucified to those whom, whom we teach and influence. And for those who might be here who have not yet put their trust in Christ or have reverted to some kind of good works in order to be saved, please, please help them to stop that in their trust in Christ alone. We pray that each one of us might have our faith in Jesus be justified by faith, and have your Holy Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.